Thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you, encourages you, and brings you closer to Jesus. And I'm excited, and you guys are going to laugh, and you're going to think I'm telling a lie or whatever, but I'm getting ready to embark in what's going to be my favorite series. Not because, and I say that all the time, but honestly, I've watched this what we're going to talk about prayer, change the course of history in my life and in the church that, that we're a part of. And so when I say that, I believe that if we lean into some of these truths, I believe it'll be revolutionary in our, all of our lives if we lean into this concept of what prayer actually looks like and what it means to pray. And so I'm excited about that. But it's interesting to me. And has anybody ever thought of this one little concept? What, if you were to actually walk with Jesus, have a conversation, like I know that we can pray and we talk to Jesus, but if you were literally to walk with Jesus and have a conversation, what would you ask him? Like, what would be the question that would come to your mind? Um, or maybe what would be the thing that you say, uh, I'd like to learn this one thing from you? Because I've been kind of pondering this thought. Uh, if I was uh, one of the people that were able to follow Jesus around and be one of Jesus' original disciples, you know, walk and talk and, and, and have conversations, what would I, what would I ask of him? Um, because if, if it was me, and if I was one of those Bible characters, I would be asking for things like, hey, that devil casting out thing. Can you teach me how to do that? How many people would love to know, like, I want to be a part of that sometime? Or, or the healing of the sick. I'd love to be. Or that, or that, or that, like, how did you raise that person from the dead thing? How many people would love to ask Jesus, like, could you teach me to do that? And it made me think because of all the things that's happened in Jesus's life when he was in ministry uh, and the 33 years that he was on this planet, of all the things that the disciples could have asked him, they didn't ask any of those things. As a matter of fact, what they asked him is something that I think we take for granted in the church world. He asked them, would you, they asked him, would you teach us how to pray? Of all the things, out of all the casting demons out and, and healing sick and raising people from the dead, the only thing the disciples ever asked from Jesus that they wanted to be taught was how to pray. And it's amazing to me because I have been in ministry now for almost 30 years. And for the last 30 years, I have read um, almost every book. I have bookshelves filled with books about how to pray, um, probably 30 or 40 of them. I attended three-day seminars at times in my life. I've actually gone and taken college classes on how to pray. And this is what I've learned. If you want to know what I've learned up front, and we'll go kind of backwards and backfill, I've learned three key elements about this thing called prayer. Prayer is profoundly complex mystery that we tendency, have a tendency to oversimplify. Did you get that? It's hard to understand sometimes, and we oversimplify. I also think, in the same breath, that it's a simple process that we overcomplex, that we, we make it too hard to pray. And here's the big lesson that I've learned. The longer I've been a believer, the more I pray, the simpler my prayers get, and the simpler the teachings that I teach on prayer get. Because I'm finding out that we learn to pray by what? By praying. It's interesting, this morning I walked into the office, if you walk in our office right now, through our front doors, um, we had a thing that Lindsay just talked about, Operation Backpack, and there's literally all couple hundred that, that we brought in are in, my, in our foyer. 
And I walk in the room, and when I walk in there, I can't even get through, so I'm walking around, and I'm trying to get through, and I was like, and I get all the way through, and I thought to myself, like, I, I talk about prayer literally between services today. I had somebody walk up to me and say, hey, Pastor Bobby, would you pray for me? And I thought to myself, I can do one of two things. I can walk away right now, or I could literally pray for that person right there. So I grabbed that person's hand right in the hallway, and they were like, not right now. I'm like, yes, right now we're praying. <laughs> we're praying. You asked for prayer. We're praying. Let's go. So I, in front of everybody, dear, Je as loud as I can get it, my southern voice, dear Jesus. No, I didn't do that. <laughs> but this morning, you learn, you learn to pray by praying. And so this morning, I was saying, like, I, I love the fact that we fill backpacks with, with papers and, and crayons and all that stuff. But you know what? Like this morning, I, I touched every one of them and prayed over it. Not, that's just, I'm not the hero of the story, but like, we need to learn to pray and we learn to pray by praying. And when Jesus talks about the simple words. He wasn't teaching a method of prayer. He was actually teaching us how to pray. He taught them how to pray. Richard Foster in his book, Finding the Heart's True Home, uh, in the very first chapter, that's what he says. He said, here's the, 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 the biggest truth that we all can get. The, the, thing that, the, the big takeaway is we learn to pray by praying. And think about what Jesus said in Luke chapter 11. Uh, it's, it's what we've known to, these are two elements. There's one in Matthew, there's one in Luke. We know them as the Lord's Prayer or the Our Father. If anybody grew up in like a Catholic environment or a Lutheran uh, environment, we had to learn the Our Father. And that's what this was. But it says in Luke chapter 11, verse two, and he said, when you pray, and I love that, the first three words, when you pray, it's an assumption. I don't know if, if you've ever thought of that before. It's an assumption that you're praying, that we're praying. Statistics show that only 7% of believers have an active prayer life. So only 7% of us have an active prayer life. Now they're dismissing the fact that you may pray over your meal and Jesus blessed, you know, you know that fried chicken that we're getting ready to eat this afternoon. Bless that, right? But 7% but have an active prayer life. That means they're living out their prayers. They're praying every day. They're praying without ceasing like we're going to talk about it in a minute. So, so he says, when you, when you pray, he says, say this. Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each uh, a day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into, into temptation. Matthew chapter six says it like this. And when you pray, same assumption, you must not be like the hypocrites for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners and that they may uh, be seen by others. Truly I say to you that they have received a reward. Now, hypocrites is kind of a weird word, right? Like we hear it a lot of times about the church. The church is filled with, I mean, ever heard that? The church is filled with hypocrites. And usually what we're talking about is somebody that says one thing, but does something else. So they act one way. Maybe they act like on Sunday, they act this way. But like Monday morning, boy, they're the total, or, or, or Friday night, worse than right. They're, they're, they're out there, you know, doing all this stuff that they're not, okay. That's not what he's talking about here. What he's talking about is because in the Jewish culture, they had ritual prayers, and some of the religious leaders, scribes and Pharisees are what they were called, would get up and literally, they would bang their chest together, they would make an announcement, they, they would have these long scrolls and they would start these prayers. They wanted everybody to hear them and they wanted to, very eloquent, they wanted to make sure that everybody knew what was going on. And Jesus is saying, don't be like that. And he also says, don't just have it in vain repetition. Now it's interesting to me because I grew up in a Catholic environment where everything seemed to be in vain. And when I say vain repetition, I mean over and over again. So uh, how many people grew up in that environment like I did? So you would go, and I'd, listen, it was a great part of my, it was a great part of my past. It, it led me to the place I am right now with knowing who Jesus is, okay? But we would like, we would do confession and they would say to us that you have to say five uh, Hail Marys and 10 Our Fathers and, and 20 Apostles' Creeds. And that was supposed to resolve and dissolve all of my sin. 
Well, when I started going to a Christian type church, like an evangelical church, like ours, I started going to evangelical, I was told you can't, you can't do the Lord's Prayer. Now it's funny, I asked the question why, is it because it's vain repetition? Now this, this pastor said the same prayer over the offering, the same exact words every time. And every week we read Jude's doxology, to him who was able to keep you from falling, to present you before his glorious light. So we were doing vain repetition, we just couldn't do the Lord's Prayer. I still can't figure out why. But it's one of those situations where Jesus wasn't giving us the model, he was actually telling us how to do it. He said, pray, pray this prayer. And so when he says, don't be like the hypocrites, he's saying, don't make it about you. And so many times in, in the world we live in, we've made prayer about, okay. So 16 or 17 years old, I'm working at a church, okay? Now, when I say working at a church, I'm not pastor at a church, I cut the grass at the church. <laughs> I worked at a church. And so the pastor asked us one day, uh, asked me one day, would you like to go out with the staff and have lunch? And it was a, a large staff. It was 10 or 12, 15 people, and there was a school there, and so all the teachers went out. So we get to the place we're gonna eat. It's called Friendly's. I don't know if anybody's from the Northeast. It's Friendly's, it's ice cream place. So we're at Friendly's, and, and, and they had this big table that they reserved every day. And so <clears throat> I got ice cream for lunch. It was fantastic. <laughs> but he asked me, he goes, Bobby, would you pray? Now, I, I'm a brand new believer. I don't even really, honestly, I don't even know if I'm a believer yet. To be just So I pray. And I, I'm telling you, when I say I waxed eloquent, it was the best prayer you've ever heard. I was praying for the starving kids in Ethiopia. I prayed for the president of the United States, whoever it was at the time. I prayed for the governor. I prayed for every congressman. I prayed for every denomination that's out there. I get to the very end of my prayer, and I'm telling you, when I say it was a good one, it was probably a good solid 10 minutes, okay? It was a good prayer. I, the servers came and put the food out in front of everybody already, was waiting there, like everybody So I get to the end and I say, well, you know, because we're taught, right, in, evangelical, in Jesus' name, because otherwise Jesus doesn't listen to you or something. I don't know exactly what happens. If you, just, if you just say amen, it doesn't work. So I say, in Jesus' name. And the pastor, the pastor says, and bless the food too. <laughs> I went through my whole prayer. My one responsibility was to bless the food and I forgot to bless the food. That's what Jesus is talking about right there. Because it was all about me. It was making sure everybody understood that I was a preacher in waiting. I was a preacher ready to go. And, and that's what he's battling against. He says, don't be like the hypocrites. And then he says in verse six of Matthew, he says this again, but when you pray, so the assumption's there again, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. And do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask. So Jesus teaches this model. We refer to it in, in, in Christian world, we, we refer, refer to it as the Lord's Prayer. Now here's what I'm learning, okay? Here's a big, 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 big thing. Um, this prayer, this thing called prayer is not complex. And so what we're gonna do over the next five weeks, today and four more weeks, and then all the way through September, uh, if you've been here any length of time, you know that September is our 9.30. We take the whole month of September, and as a church body, we pray and we fast together. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna learn about prayer, we're gonna actually do prayer, I'm gonna share something at the end that we're all gonna do as a, as a faith community, we're gonna do prayer, and then we're gonna watch God, when we're praying and fasting, through, do some amazing things. We've seen some of the greatest moves of God in this church, um, that, you know, growth, all kinds of crazy growth and everything in this 9.30. So that, that's kind of our objective. But I want you to know something, because I went to a seminar uh, not too long ago. It was a three-day seminar on this thing called prayer, okay? So I'm not really good at math. I messed it up in the first service. So three days is 72 hours. Is that right? Okay, 
There again, not too good at math. Pretty good at golf, not math, okay? So 72 hours, I went to a seminar for 72 hours. 72 hours on this thing called prayer. And Jesus teaches it in five minutes. So there's a problem, right? We have made it too hard. And so what I would like to do today is just kind of, kind of break it down and make this Lord's Prayer simple and then take some things home that we can literally use in our, our real prayer time, some things that we can learn by doing it a certain way. Okay, so let's read the Lord's Prayer together. So pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So, so what do we do just from those few verses? What can we learn, right? I'm going to break it down to five, five real quick things. You may want to take notes on this. Prayer, every type of prayer starts with this thing called praise and adoration. Okay, that's why it says, hallowed be your name, that your name is bigger than anything else, that we're, t we're telling God, you'll hear us say in a journey, that we're not the star of the story, that God's the star of the story. We're called to make him famous, not us famous. And in our prayers, our prayers should start that way. God, you are so amazing. You're exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or imagine. God, you are the best thing out there. And so that's how we should start our prayers. And then from there, we would pray this. You would pray for God's will in our lives, and, and, and throughout the world. And it says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. You heard it several times. You heard it in one of the songs, your kingdom is coming. Now, one of the things I love about this verse, and I, we read a book, and, and, and please, I'm not trying to be political, and, and I'm not saying I agree with everything in the book. I'm just telling you a book that I read. It's called, it's called Woke. And I got done reading it, and the last chapter is about end-time eschatology. End-time eschatology is about what happens at the end of the world when Jesus comes back and he takes his church with him. And one of the things that he was talking about right there was about the kingdom of God. And he says, I want you to envision that you're in heaven for a day. Just envision for a second that you're in heaven. And I want you to envision that you're looking around. I will guarantee you heaven is gonna look totally different than you just thought. Because so many times in our minds, we have this, we have this little mental image as you know, finite as we can be. And so one of the things when I've prayed this prayer before, especially this, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as earth as it is in heaven. And that's really, really important because I think the things that are going on in earth right now are nothing like what's going on in heaven. I don't think all the racial tension is going on in heaven. Somebody please say amen to that. I don't believe the social pecking order that we have in this world we live in is going on in heaven. And so what we need to be praying as a church body, as we need to be as individuals, is that, that the earth starts to look like what heaven is supposed to look or does look like. And until that point, until that point, right, we are messing things up on this side. So the next thing is this, right? It says, uh, the next part is, pray for the needs and the needs of others. Give us this day our daily bread. I love this one point. And if you're not, like, if you're keeping a tally of this, we told God how big he was before we asked him for anything. How many times in our prayers have we asked him for everything first and at the very end we go, thanks God, you're a big God. Good guy. Good game. Right? And we have this thing called, it's reversed. We should be telling him first and then somewhere in the prayer, God take it because he wants to take care of our needs. And then he says this, he says that we should pray for our needs, right? The needs of others, gives us their joy and then pray for the forgiveness of your sins and the ability to forgive others. He says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Actually, there's part of the scripture that just says, it literally says uh, the, the amount of forgiveness that you offer is the amount of forgiveness that you get. 
And so we're supposed to be forgiving. We're supposed to not hold grudges against people. I was talking to Alan about this the other day. We're supposed to act like Christians. The world acts differently. The world keeps grudges. The world keeps tallies. God's people aren't supposed to do that. But somehow or another, we felt like it's okay. And then the last thing is pray for strength to live a holy life. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So that's it broken down really easily. So what what can we learn? How, How can we do this thing called prayer better? And I think one of the things that we all need to hear, and once I explain myself, everybody's gonna go, oh yeah. I think we need to learn by praying, or learn to pray by starting right where we are, right where you are. Now, now, now at first you go, okay, I'll, I'll do it right now. Right where, I'm not talking about that because I fall in a category of people that I, I feel like a lot of us probably fall in. Maybe not right at this moment, but I have fallen in the category of person or human that has unfellowshipped myself from God at times. Like I have literally walked away from God. Anybody else ever do that? Nobody, just me. I'm the only loser in the whole place. Okay, I'll just talk to me for a few moments then. There's times where I feel like my sin has separated myself from God. You ever felt like that? That your sin is so big that why would God even answer your prayer? Or I'm so messed up, why would God, or it's such a big world, why would God even wanna kind of interject into my little life over here? And I'm finding out, 30 years of being a believer, I'm finding out finally, that's right where God wants me. See, we don't come to God fixed up. We come to God broken. We come to God with all of our mess. We, we, yes, we're fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. But he also says that while we were yet far from him, he came and died for us. That's why we need, because we couldn't fix ourselves. A couple weeks ago, um, so I got saved just recently. Um, you guys, amen. Somebody say amen, about time. <laughs> and Pastor, no, I got saved. I started eating Chick-fil-A. So, but, but there's only one way to eat Chick-fil-A, and it's with extra pickles. How many people know that to be true? Amen. That's, that's Jesus chicken with extra Jesus stuff on it. That's the Holy Ghost on the Jesus chicken. I'm sitting there in line. I may have told you this one time before. I was sitting in line with the extra pickles, and I had this epiphany moment that you know, you know what a, a pickle is, right? It's a cucumber, right? But once it's a pickle, it can never go back to be a cucumber, right? You can't make a pickle a cucumber. Once it's a cucumber, I mean, once it's a pickle. I said, listen, this is how God speaks. Don't you judge me. I'm sitting there in the line of Chick-fil-A and goes, that's what I did with you. You were, you were a pickle. You can't make yourself go back to be a cucumber. But Jesus did. Jesus put me back in the state that I was originally before sin. And because of the grace of God, I'm not a pickle anymore. And I'm not in a pickle anymore. Amen? Amen? And so it's one of those deals where, I don't even know where I was going with that. Squirrel. Oh, I know. I, was, I can't fix myself. I, I was get, I'd get there eventually. Jesus told a story. It was two men, and they came to the temple to pray. It's, it's found in Luke chapter 18, verse 10. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, and the other one was a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed this. God, I thank you that I'm not like the other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even the tax. Can you imagine this prayer happening? He goes, hey, by the way, I'm glad I'm not like him. Could you imagine the pastor getting up at church and going, hey, by the way, I'm glad I'm not like him. Okay, and the rest of you too, because you all are a mess. But I'm perfect. I- I'm-, I'm good. That's what he's saying. He's like, I'm glad I'm not like all these other guys. He said this, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector standing afar off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven. 
But he beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, I'm a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. That's what he's talking about. Like when he says, don't, don't be like, don't be like, the, don't be like the hypocrite. Don't be like that person right there. But we have to start right where we're at. This tax collector found himself in a place just like us a lot of times that we're far from God and God's waiting to have a conversation with us. Here's the second thing that I've learned through prayer. You learn to pray by praying honest prayers. Honest prayers. Uh, last week, I, 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 I did two 80s songs, so I'm gonna do an 80s movie. Who was here last week? Hey, what'd I do? Love is a Battlefield, right? And every movie, right? Y'all remember that? So anybody ever seen the movie Vacation? And anybody, raise your hand if you, okay, so. Do you, do you remember Aunt Edna? So Aunt Edna is a mean, mean, mean woman. Everybody knows she's mean, right? They're yelling and screaming. But my favorite scene is so sad was when Aunt Edna dies. <laughs> Follow with me for a second. <laughs> Sitting in the middle of the two kids, you remember this? And they're going, we're not, they all, the next scene is they're all out of the car in the middle of the desert. They're trying to figure out what they're going to do with Aunt Edna. They do not like her to the point, this is their plan. We're going to wrap her in a tarp and we're going to put her on the roof. Chevy Chase literally says, it's not like it's going to rain or anything. The next scene, they're pulling into this city and is on the roof in a rocking chair with her pocketbook and all you see is like this thing and it is pouring down rain. And just the last scene is you see the hair. Now I say all that to say, when they did the funeral, do you remember Chevy Chase's wife in the show? She prays at the funeral and it's this, we love Aunt Edna. Man, we're gonna miss Aunt Edna. Oh, Miss Aunt Edna, she was the bestest of the bestest. Oh, I can't believe we're not gonna ever be able to. Liar, liar, pants on fire. They didn't like her. But you know something? That's a lot like our prayer life sometimes, isn't it? We do that with God. Oh, everything's great, God. Like he doesn't know that you're a mess. Like he doesn't know what you did last night. He wants authentic prayers. And by the way, you'd be shocked how brutally honest some of the people in the Bible have been with God. Listen to this one. This is Jeremiah. Jeremiah says this. Can you imagine having this conversation with the heavenly father? Oh Lord, you have deceived me and I was deceived. You are stronger than I and you have prevailed. I have become the laughing stock all the day. Everyone mocks me. He basically calls God a liar. Can you imagine that? Could you imagine having the nerve and audacity to call God a liar? Hey, David does it. David does it in Psalms. He says this, all in vain have I kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. For all day long, I've been stricken and rebuked every morning. Why would you do that to me? Hey, how about Job? Anybody remember the story of Job? Job is a story about a guy that loses everything. Wealthy, family, you know, livestock. He loses everything. He is so in remorse that he takes his clothes off and he rolls in the dirt. At the end of the story, we know that he also says, my redeemer lives. But in between this rolling in the dirt and losing everything moment and this, my redeemer lives, there's some honest, honest, honest conversations. He, he's like, God, why have you done this? In Job chapter six, for the arrows of the almighty are in me. My spirit drinks their poison. The terrors of God are arrayed against me. Oh my goodness. 
Could you imagine having this conversation with God? In chapter 10, verse three, does it seem good to you to oppress, to despise the work of your hands and favor the designs of the wicked? He's basically saying, you're blessing them and not blessing me? 1018, why did you bring me out of the womb? Would that I have died before any eye had seen me? Job 16, seven, surely now God has worn me out. Worn me out. God, you, are war- you, you have worn me out. And the last one is Job chapter 30. There's 300 times, I said this last week, 300 times in the book of Job alone where he questions God. He says, I cry to you for help and you don't answer me. I stand and you only look at me. You have turned cruel to me with the might of your hand. You persecute me. You lift me up on the wind. You make me ride on it and you toss me about the roar of the storm. Verse 23, for I know that you will bring me to death and to the house appointed for all the living. Could you imagine having those kind of prayers? Can I throw something out? God wants you to have those kind of prayers. 27 or 28 years ago, we lost our first child. It was a miscarriage, which didn't make it any better or any worse. There was still hurt and anger and resentment. And I remember at one point, I remember shaking my fist and cussing at God. And it was in that moment right there, I realized how healthy I was, even though I was unhealthy. Because you know what happens a lot of times in our lives? When we have those critical conversations, we have relational breakdowns. And we stop talking to God. And, and we're mad at him. So we, we flick our finger at him and say, you know, this sucks and this is horrible and I can't believe you let this happen. And we walk away from God. He would rather have us conversating with him, having conversations, tough ones, as tough as they could possibly be. And I want you to know something. God is not afraid of your scrutiny. He's been dealing with those all. As a matter of fact, the Bible says this, those who come to him with their whole heart, they'll find him. That's all he's asking that we come to him with our whole heart, even if it's tough questions. In first service, I said, I'm gonna give you permission today. I'm gonna give second service. I'm gonna give you permissions to have some tough conversations. And some of the things you're saying to him may be full of all kinds of anger and resentment and maybe bad theology, but I think God would rather, listen, I do lots of marriage counseling and I can almost tell from the first time a couple comes into my office when they're coming for marriage, if they're gonna make it or not. And it's one simple element, if they're still talking to each other. If they're talking to each other, they'll make it. At least they'll have a, a heads up on it. But if they won't even talk to each other and the whole time they're talking to me, something's happened, there's a, there's a breakdown. It's the same thing with God. So I'm gonna give you permission today to have some tough conversations. And I'm gonna say this, it's all right to ask it. It's all right to tell God today. Hear me on this, please. It's all right to tell God today that you're lonely that you're hurt, that you're living with anger and resentment. It's okay to tell him that. Don't stop the conversation with him. Do it all day long. It's okay to say, God, I'm desperate right now. I don't know what's going on in my life. I'm desperate right now. I need you more than, I, I can't see the light at the end of the tunnel, financially or relationally. It's okay to say that to him. I made this last comment and had a young man walk up to me after church. He said, thank you for just being human. You know what? It's okay it's okay to tell God that you want to sin more than be holy. You give, you're giving God something to work with. And the truth of the matter is, most of us in the room would never say that, but we do it all the time. We would rather have a sinful life than live a holy life. Have those conversations with God. Here's the last thing. You learn to pray by praying all day long. 
Now, <laughs> how do you do that? Like, I got a job, right? And yes, I work in a church that would probably allow me to pray all day long, but I would never get any work done, would I? And I'll guarantee you, your employer is not gonna let you walk around with your eyes shut all day long. Whoa, whoa. Right? Well, what does it mean? Well, I learned something. Anybody ever been on an airplane? A couple of you? Good. So I, I was on an airplane back in April. I was flying from um, Augusta Airport to Dallas, uh, direct flight. I was on, going on my turkey hunting trip. And we got up in the air, so I love it, the fact that they have direct flights now. I don't have to stop in Atlanta for six hours, um, you know, and eat a $40 meal in Atlanta. So we get up, I don't know, we get probably over Atlanta. We're, we're up in the air about 45 minutes. And I see the cockpit open. I'm like, oh, okay. And I see the captain walk out of the cockpit and shut the door and go to the bathroom. And so my cousin Sam sitting next to me, I said, what does he think he's doing? <laughs> like, who's driving this thing right now? Like, I don't want, I don't want, like, they may be brilliant. I, I don't want the second in charge doing this. I want the first in charge when I'm on it. And so the lady, I don't know what they call them now. I don't think they call them stewardesses anymore, whatever, the assistant or whatever. Flight attendant, the, the assistant manager of all the world. I think they think they are or something. So she comes walking up, she goes, I heard what you were saying. It's on autopilot. <laughs> well, get his back in there. I don't want it on autopilot. I want it on real pilot. <laughs> so this past week, Gretchen, my, my assistant, sends me this, this information about autopilot. And what's starting to happen is they've gotten so accustomed to the autopilot that when they have to take it off autopilot, they don't know how to fly the plane. Oh, that makes me feel real good. <laughs> so like if there's something that happens and it's called, what they're calling it is called skill fade. So they're skill fade. So they're, 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 they're because they, they don't do it all the time. And so the FAA is actually making them log so many hours of actually flying the plane, which they should be doing to begin with. <laughs> they're the pilot, <laughs> right? And you know what happens in a believer's life? If you call yourself a believer, we start to get skill fade too, though. We get pray, pray, pray fade. We get spiritual life fade. We, we, we just kind of go on autopilot and yeah, we'll pray at meals or whatever, but are we really having a connection and communion with the Father? And see, I think that's where we've missed it. And that's why when I say, that we pray all day, I don't mean that we're walking around with our eyes shut all the day. I think we just need to be in constant, our, our, our mentality needs to be that God is around us all the time. Yes. Pa Paul said it like this in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. He said, pray without what? Ceasing. And so, and, and I think that's as close as a commandment that's in the Bible. It's pray without ceasing. And so in our lives, and, and, and I wanna get to the point, like, I don't know if you've ever read scripture, like, but there's, there's a passage in Nehemiah and we talked about Nehemiah a couple weeks ago, and I didn't get a chance to, and I wanted to, because this is just a brilliant, just a brilliant observation, just a brilliant part of Nehemiah's life. Nehemiah has a tough decision to make, and he's trying to figure out how he's going to do it all. And, you know, he could have had a prayer session, and he could have been on, you know, 60 days of prayer, or 90 days of prayer, or 21 days of prayer, whatever the current culture is doing nowadays. But he's standing in front of the king, and this is exactly what happens right here. It says this. 
Nehemiah says to the king, he says, what are you requesting? Now, right there, I'm going, oh, 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 what, what? And this is what he says. So I prayed to the God of heaven, and then I said to the king. Now, that may not mean much to you, but this is what it means. He literally said, okay, God, was it, what is it that I need to ask of him? And then I said it to the king. You know why he did that? You know why he could do that? Because he was in constant communion with the father. This wasn't the first time that he had a conversation with the father. In our lives, I think in our lives, we should be walking around having those constant, now don't do it weird, like, hi God, how you doing? <laughs> While you're in the public's line. Because they're, they're taking you to doctor's hospital afterwards. Okay? But man, I, I don't pray for, I, I, I'm going to say something and everybody's going to take it out of context and I'm going to get emails. But don't, don't take it out of context. I don't spend my time praying for unimportant things. I'm not the guy that's praying that you would give me the parking spot right by, in front of Publix. I, 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 I just, I don't know that God really cares about that. But when I'm walking into Publix, I'm praying for God to give me a divine appointment. Hmm. God, who is it today that you need me to talk to? I, I don't know what it is about Publix. I've been, you guys are gonna laugh at me. I've been saying for five or six years that that Publix is gonna be Journey Community Church one day. So I go in there like it's my church. Tell the manager to get out of the way and this is my area. <laughs> Maybe what it is, it is church. It's just not the building. Hmm. Maybe it's where God, maybe it's where God wants me to do ministry at. And so walking through Publix, God, who is it that you want me to talk to? Who is it that you need me to talk to? Who, who, needs to, who needs to meet me? To, not, not because, it's just because I can make him famous. I wanna, I wanna make him famous. And see, so you know what happens? And it's this, John MacArthur talks about this. Like for the last 25 minutes, has anybody been had, did, did anybody have to lean over and tell the person they're with, okay, breathe now. You've been breathing. You're good at breathing, right? Nobody, nobody's dead here yet, right? Sleepy maybe, not dead. I didn't have to teach you to breathe. I, I didn't have to teach you like, Jim, Jim breathe. Okay, exhale. In, out. No. When he says pray without ceasing, that's what he's talking about. That it becomes as easy as our breathing. It's actually harder to stop breathing. It's actually harder to hold our breath. Breathing is natural. And that's what prayer and communication with the Father should be. It should be natural. When I'm walking through here. God, who do you need me to talk to? When I'm walking up here, who do you need me to talk to? I believe it even happens on stage. I have my notes in the back right now. They're going crazy because they don't know, they have a clue where I'm at right now. Right, Jen, you do it. There's times where God speaks to me right up here and I start speaking and I would, I would like to think that it may be even prophetic at times. That's because I have communication with the Father. How about you? Day in and day out, like breathing, are you having communication with the Father? That's what it means to pray without ceasing. This is what we're going to do. We're going to make this a major emphasis for five weeks. And then we're going to enter on 930, which I explained, I'll, I'll explain it again. It's our time of prayer and fasting. But we're going to do some things as a faith community that I think are really, really important. And I'm going to say this, and this is a really bold, bold. This morning in first service, I've never seen the amount of excitement at Journey outside of like an Easter or a Christmas Eve. There was excitement in this place about what God's about to do. 
Okay, not fabricated, not stirring, not trying to whip up the Holy, you know, Holy Spirit. I just think there's, I think we're ready for some normal and some. And so what we're gonna do as a church, now I have to admit, we underestimated our great church. But together as a church, we're gonna go through a devotion, okay? It's on the Lord's Prayer. It's what we are. We're gonna use this as our baseline for everything. I'm not trying to pimp books out, okay? I, it's $10. We're not making any money off of it. The problem we have is we had 100 of them and we sold out in first service. I think we have six left. Relax. We just between service ordered another 200 of them, okay? So they will be here Sunday morning. So what I would encourage, I'll, I'll, I'll do the same thing next week. This is, and I've talked to Angie Attaway, who is our, one of our discipleship, on our discipleship team. She said this is the one, one of the most comprehensive but easy to use Bible study devotions there is that she's seen. And so it's one of those deals. So uh, about $10. Okay, so this is one thing we're gonna do together. We're gonna do the 930 together as a faith community. So we're gonna pray and we're gonna fast. But I don't know if you noticed it when you walked in. Habakkuk says this, write your vision down so people will see it. Um, the Bible says where there's vision, there's people, uh, where there's no vision, people perish. Well, the opposite's true then. Where there's vision, people flourish. And so one of the things that we're doing, and this is what I was so excited about, I released everybody and we're literally releasing early on purpose, okay? So this, isn't, this is intentional. I want you guys to go out there. There's markers all over this building. And I want you on the glass to write prayers out. You'll see there's a bunch of them already. It could be a prayer, a scripture prayer. It could be like this morning, I put, um, I put one on there. Um, let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable and pleasing. That's just, the psalmist wrote that. Because I want everything that comes out of my mouth to be acceptable and pleasing. I, I wrote down First Chronicles, if my people who are called by my name, right? You know, so you may want to write down just a prayer. I, I saw, man, I, was, I had Caleb, I pulled Caleb aside. There's three or four, heal my body. There's a cancer, got cancer. And so, and what we want to do as a staff, and then when you come back here next week, I want you to walk by them and I want you to pray for them. I want you to take two or three of them and go, you know something, I'm gonna pray for that one this week. This is gonna be the one I pray for. And so what I want you to do is I want you to go out there with markers and I want you to write it, please understand, on the windows. <laughs> Not the walls, okay? Let me say it again, the windows. If you're down at Sherwood, there's core plast down in the building. And the reason we're doing this is in 2008 or nine, we did a series called, series called Whisper. And we put these core plast on all the walls. Anybody here remember that? A couple people? So you guys remember that? So we put core plast. Well, on this side, there was a prayer. And it was a young girl um, that had a child. And the child was born with a hole in her heart. And she literally had a hole in her heart and they were gonna have to do surgery. And they were gonna have to either, they were gonna have to do a complete heart um, uh, transplant or they were gonna have to find um, a donor to fill the hole in. So it was right over there. And for four or five weeks, every week they came over and they prayed. They got a group of friends over there and they prayed for it, uh, prayed for that, that child. Well, at the end of the five weeks, not because of Journey, not because of Bobby, because the hero of the story, Jesus, somehow or another, miracle, the girl goes to the doctor and there's no hole in the heart and they, they literally show the before and the after. And so what I wanna see happen at our church is I wanna see answered prayer through all these halls. That, that, that family literally took that piece of corplast and it is now a centerpiece in their house. And it reminds them every time of how God answered a prayer. That's what I wanna have happen here, okay? So you came in this morning when you walked in, they also gave you communion elements. And we're gonna take communion as a faith community.
today what I wanna do, we're reminded of what Jesus did for us, but I, would I want you to literally pray the Lord's Prayer over our communion today. So if you take the, the wafer out and you can get the juice ready, you can shut your eyes, I'll begin to pray and then I'll tell you when you can take it. Our Father, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. God, your name is bigger than anything. It's bigger than any politician. It's, it's bigger than any party. It's bigger than any celebrity or athlete. Your name is the name above all names. At the name of Jesus, your son, the Bible says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, somehow or another, let it saturate our hearts today that we are supposed to be emulating what's going on in heaven how you are in relationship with people that have already gone on to be with you, how unity is happening in heaven, how diversity is happening in heaven. And God, that's your call for the church in this world. Give us this day our daily bread. God, give us what we need to have, not necessarily what we want to have. Take care of my needs today, God. My emotional needs, my financial needs, my physical God, forgive us our debts as we've, as we've also have forgiven our debtors. God, debt literally means we hold, we hold the invoice. And God, my prayer today is just like you took care of the invoice, you took care of that bill that I owed, God, that we would crimple up the, 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 the bill that other people owe us. Maybe it's been anger or resentment or unforgiveness that we, have, we haven't given, or forgiveness that we haven't offered them. God, somehow or another, let us today be more, more like you and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. God, this world is filled with so many things. Every one of us in this room has those temptations. And God, when I think about what you did at the cross, what you've done at the cross, You've forgiven me. You've washed me clean. You've healed me. You've touched me. And God, so today we take the wafer as a reminder of the broken body of Jesus Christ that bore the sins of all mankind in Jesus' name. And just like you bore the sins, the juice reminds us of the blood that you shed that forgives all those sins that washes us as white as snow. So we take the juice now, in Jesus' name. God, thank you for meeting with us today. Thank you that we've been able to study your word together and look at your word together and hopefully grow together in your word. I pray for these next several weeks, God, that you would do a mighty work in us, that you would do something exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or imagine, that we would just know at the end of this that, God, you would be honored and glorified, that your name would be made famous. We pray all this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or want to talk to someone about taking your next step, email us at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.